Boogie Down with reformed double girl Chase Masterson as she takes you inside Discovery every week on the all-new Star Trek podcast, Disco Nights. From the producers of Inglorious Trexperts, wherever you listen to the 430 movie. And keep looking at the stars. Like movies, you'll love Inglorious Trexperts, the new Star Trek podcast from the creators of the 430 movie. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you've never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. Now, join us for the 430 movie. Hello, I'm Mark (laughs) K. Holtman, and welcome to It's Beginning to Feel a Lot Like Christmas Week on the 430 movie. (laughs) As usual, we have our expert band of programmers here. To curate a great week of classic movies for you, the including band. Santa, so you don't have to. Stephen Melching. Ho, ho, ho there. Darren Dockerman. I'm an elf. And Ashley E. Miller. Coming down your chimney this Christmas. Well, Ooh. you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to recuse myself. I'm heading over to the other recording studio to do um, great Hanukkah movies. Right. And it's I should be, be there a, for about 20 yeah, seconds. Short <laughs> and I'm heading home. Uh, but, you know, the great thing about Christmas is we can all celebrate Christmas. There's no war on Christmas. We all love Christmas. What's not to love? We all grew up on those wonderful Rankin-Bass uh, specials. You're on telling me TV. they were ranking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh, Santa Claus is coming to town and uh, Rudolph and, and again television shows. Yeah, no, no, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm leading into the movies and, uh, and all that second wonderful here. music written by Jews. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we can all enjoy the spirit of the holidays and the days off. So um, and we'll be off from recording podcasts that week as well. Um, but so even though you're listening to us. We're not there. So well, let me <laughs> ask you guys, Santa what's Claus. the best best present you ever got for Christmas? Oh. oh. Um. Stumped them. <laughs> There's so many. Yeah, I mean, I, I was lucky to grow up in a, you know, in a middle-class family, so we always had, uh, you know, we weren't spoiled, but we always had good gifts. Uh, one that stands out that I remember was uh, getting my first stereo. I got one of those combo units that had a turntable mm-hmm. oh, and a sure. cassette deck and yeah. a radio. I did too. And, and awful big speakers. Quality. No, the quality <laughs> oh, was actually really? surprisingly good. Wow. And, and I, we'd listen to my soundtrack albums on there or my novelty records and uh, make mixtapes and, and tape shows off the radio. And right. uh, you know, I had that thing for many, many years. Yeah. I You know, I was going to say that, too, because I also got one of those combo. It was a sound design. Oh, uh, I had that. Yeah. Oh, uh, with, a, with a record player and an 8-track and Ooh, a cassette eight. and, Ooh. of course, the uh, the radio. Uh, but I think my favorite Christmas present uh, happened in 1976 with the Mattel... Eagle One Space 1999. Oh, that was oh. that was at like uh, it was a three at full, foot, four it was foot at full eagle. size. It's a it's a amazing. Child it. Yeah, it was it was so great. We have that in Free Enterprise in Rob's apartment, yeah. hanging, hanging from the ceiling. I don't think you can see it in any of the shots we use. It's in the the dailies, yeah, right. but I don't know if it ever made it into the movie. It's I thought so she great. Moves, she's oh, moves she it. does. She yeah, bumps yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, I, I just remember I got an Atari twenty six hundred one year too, and nice. that was pretty goddamn great. Yeah, we see, never, I got an Odyssey we never two got one year, and that was great. I never got any computers or stuff like that. Yeah. How about really, you guys? 
Uh, he got Kelly LeBrock one year. Damn right, right I did. <laughs> uh, no, uh, Darren kind of took mine. Oh, cool. I, oh, you I had that too? my eagle. Absolutely. And oh, my favorite thing about so it jealous. was not only that you know you could open it up and like put all the action figures, right. the little tiny action figures the in there. Totally um, inact- the inaction the figures. The inaction yeah. figures that didn't really bend. They yeah. just sort of like this. And they just, well, wow, one you guys, sits. They look really <laughs> cramped. Um, but I loved that you front. could take the main pod off and uh-huh. the engine off, and you could just sort of take the engine and, and you could make a whole other shit. Mini Eagle One like, headed for oh, adventure. I always oh, wanted I that. It. I wanted Mini, that so was, bad, and I never, too. never got it. Uh, you know, I talked about when we did the special report on uh, the VCA, VCR age. Um, I, you know, I, I mentioned the fact that we used to get our Hanukkah presents on Christmas, and because it was more fun to open them on Christmas morning. Um, and so, uh, you know, I did get my first VCR on Christmas. But mm. I, I, thinking back, I'm, I, you know, I, I, the traditional. I want to think of a more traditional gift. I think it was the Planet of the Apes treehouse. Nice. Ooh. You know, that was like awesome. You know, that was, and I had that for many years, and you could use it for Planet of the Apes, you could use it for your Star Trek action I figures. I think I'd gotten that the year before, in 75. Nice. Yeah. Did anybody um, have the famous or infamous Star Trek, uh, Star Wars early bird set? No. Remember, they couldn't make, no. the, in 77, the Star Wars action figures quick enough. So what they did was they had an empty box. It's a brilliant marketing. Yeah. yeah. So you, you would you literally talk about the proverbial lump of coal. You get an empty box with no action figures with the promise of action figures yeah. being sent to you later the following year. Sometime next year. Yeah. yeah I, I believe, think they, uh, they finally turned out in April, I think. Christmas of 77, I was a Star Wars fanatic like everyone. Mm-hmm. I received the first board game, Escape from the Death Star. And the the Marvel comic books oversized right. editions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and a twenty two caliber rifle. <laughs> nice. nice. You put your eye out. What the what? We were a family of hunters and shooters. I grew up around guns. Well, there you go. I grew around phasers. I had that um, <laughs> that phaser game where you shot the Klingon, which made no sense because it was like a phaser, and then it was like a bicycle reflector yeah. on this thing of a Klingon cruiser, and you would shoot it, and if you hit it, it would make a noise. Some of the Star Trek but toys were the worst The ever. problem is it couldn't have been cannon because how could you shoot down a Klingon battle cruiser well, with a phaser? You need a cannon for a Klingon cruiser. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I but had I, a rifle that I, did I could... Like it. Uh, that had a, a bolt-action rifle with a scope on it. That, that would take uh, care of a Klingon. That would absolutely <laughs> take out a Klingon. I have to mention our sister show, Inglorious Trexperts. We did a whole episode on classic Star Trek toys. Yep. So you'll have to listen to that if you're interested in hearing us um, muse excitedly about our, <laughs> our, our, our favorite uh, Star Trek toys from the era. Um, so I got to ask you, um, Christmas movies, uh, obviously such a staple of the season. Um and uh, so many great ones to choose from. This will be an interesting week. Um, Steve, on Monday, uh, this, we're going to do seven days, of, five days of Christmas, I guess, <laughs> and, and uh, Partridge in a Pear Tree. What, um, what's your favorite, uh, or what, what oh, film boy. would you program for Monday? There, there, you know, there are probably a good eight to ten Christmas movies that I watch every, I try to watch every year. I usually watch most of them during the, the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas. One that I, I, I think I'd program for Monday is one that I never miss. Uh, it is uh, 2003's Bad Santa. Okay. Mm. Uh, directed by Terry Zweigoff, uh, who had uh, previously directed Crumb and Ghost World, and uh, with an uncredited uh, rewrite by the Coen brothers. Is that right? I did yes. not know that. They uh, they produced it and were did an uncredited rewrite on it with uh, Zweigoff. And uh, of course, it stars Billy Bob Thornton as uh, as uh, Willie, 
the bad Santa of the title, uh, his henchman, the Tony Cox, character. his partner, <laughs> the, the uh, dwarf, uh, Tony Cox. Uh, Lauren Graham, who uh, I had the hugest crush on from the Gilmore Girls. Uh, John Ritter delivering a wonderful comedic performance. Uh, uh, Bernie Mac uh, also delivering a great comedic performance. Uh, Lauren Tom uh, as Tony Cox's wife. <laughs> Hilarious. And uh, it's I think it's just a, such a great dark comedy, um, but it has real heart to it with the the relationship that Billy Bob forms with uh, the kid Thurman Merman, whose uh, <laughs> mother, I believe, was played by uh, Cloris Leachman, oh, if God. I'm not mistaken. Um, interestingly, Bill Murray and Jack Nicholson were both uh interested in the the lead role the billy bob thornton role but we're not available but i just i find this movie endlessly hilarious and 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 mean and and uh dirty and just hilarious it's i think it's very quotable uh it's weird um uh, I, I don't know. What can I say? I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, Bad Santa, you know, and, and not your typical way. It's not White Christmas. Let's put it <laughs> no. that way. It's, it, it's not. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> Big but, Crosby, it's not. But it's definitely a, a valid Christmas story. Absolutely. Because it's, you know, it's very, um, it's sort of a postmodern Christmas carol. I mean, he's sure. basically a Scrooge, you know. Um, and I think, you know, it's just there's something about. Uh, his relationship with the kid is sort of weird um, and dark and wrong on every level, as it very so often is in that movie, that is actually quite affecting. And I mm. think that's the reason why we like the movie um, rather than just kind of go, oh, yeah, that was like really dark and crazy. And I kind of get his better, you know, yeah. against his better judgment or instincts, he really he develops a fondness for this kid yeah. and becomes a kind of a surrogate father. And in the end, his heart grew three sizes. He really did. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, he, he he practically gets killed trying to deliver a present for this kid that this kid wants. You know, it's got some wonderful heartwarming moments in it when he gets the, the, the pickle <laughs> that the kid carved out of wood that's covered in blood. Yeah, cut himself while making it, and you know, there's so many hilarious scenes. I love the bit when he grabs a bunch of car keys from the valet stand and walks through the valet lot and is hitting the alarm codes and seeing, oh, that's a piece of crap car. I don't want that. Throws the keys aside. <laughs> sees another until he finally finds this car he really likes. Gets in, gets the address, drives to the house, robs it. <laughs> it's hilarious, and yet manages to be about the Christmas spirit. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's power to make us more human. More, more human than human. Well, speaking of uh, of the Christmas spirit, you have a pick for Tuesday, don't you? I Dan? have a pick for Tuesday. I, we're going to go from bad Santa to <laughs> uh, good Santa. Good Santa. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, it's uh, 1947's Miracle on 34. Oh, excellent mm-hmm. choice. That was on my short list. It is, it is my absolute favorite Christmas movie of all time. Yeah, mine too. Um, even even more than It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. even more than, uh, you know, wh- whatever else we're going to mention tonight, it never fails to get a strong emotional reaction out of me when I watch it. It's just so wonderful to see Edmund Gwen stars as Chris Kringle, his mm-hmm. real name, um, and he uh, takes the place of a Macy's department store Santa in New York City. 
And we soon discover that he, in fact, may be the real one and only Santa Claus. And it's such a wonderful uh, story. Um, the uh, uh, It was directed by George Seaton, also written by him. And it stars uh, Maureen O'Hara as uh, the uh, woman who runs the Macy's Parade. And course, very young Natalie Wood mm-hmm. as her daughter, mm-hmm. who is absolutely unbelievably adorable mm. and uh, and smart and, uh, you know, unbelieving at first. And pretty soon, Kris Kringle uh, convinces her that not only is Santa real, but she has every right to believe in him. So it's really, really heartwarming. And the last scene of it always brings a tear to my eye. I'll say it out loud now because it's uh, it's really wonderful. You know, uh, amen, brother, because I is I love Miracle on 34th Street. It was a holiday perennial at our house. Watched mm-hmm. it every year. Um, I, uh, you know, especially living in New York, the whole Macy's yeah. Gimbel's feud was something I was very aware of. I, I, I loved, you know, how New York was a character mm-hmm. in, in the movie. But, you know, Edmund Gwen is so remarkable as Chris Kringle. And uh, you I talked believe about he's Chris Kringle. The precocious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never agree. more he, felt anyone was. Uh, he won the Academy Award that year for that. And deservedly so. Um, it, it's just a great movie, and and uh, you know John Hughes remade it many years later. I just want to point out if you're going to seek out this movie, watch the original Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Black and white one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We, you know uh, we're not talking about the remake. We're talking about the original Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street from 1947. A, a a true classic in every sense of the word. Great choice, uh, Ashley. I I, uh, I always am worried about what you're going to say. Um, but uh, here we are again in the Wednesday slot. We have Ashley E. Miller with his pick for Wednesday. Man, so I, you know, look, I am torn between rebelling and, you know, I guess. I rebel. And I towing rebel the line. And towing the line. But where is the line? I mean, it's Christmas, right? Because at Christmas, we should get whatever we want. Well, good. <laughs> and Rebellions if what are I built want is Caligula. Wait, no. <laughs> no, nobody wants Caligula. that. As amazing oh, as that might be. Great cast. Totally. Um, talking about stuffing your stocking. That's just... Um, oh, that's, <laughs> I... Yeah, I have no explanation for myself. Wrong thinking will be as quickly punished. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, look. There's a strong part of me that that wants to kind of look at the at the uh, at the oeuvre of uh, of Shane Black because nobody loves <laughs> Christmas more than Shane does, um, and I think Lethal Weapon is a valid Christmas movie. Also, one of, a, a Christmas movie that I watch every oh, year God. that you guys will go, oh shit, Ashley, what are you smoking over there? But it is is Batman Returns. But I'm not going to go there. <laughs> this Instead, is the chip. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, <laughs> instead, so there's this guy named uh, Bob Clark, this director. Oh, God. And um, <laughs> I know where you're going with this. He directed uh, a Christmas movie that was really the first of its kind. Um, nobody had ever seen anything quite like it before. It starred Margot Kidder as a sorority girl. And... Um, it's about a serial killer. It's the first serial killer movie. It's called Black Christmas. Um, but you know, 
I could do that. <laughs> Bob wow, Clark, that's not was, the direction I thought you were going to do. Exactly why I did it that way. The truth of the matter is, I am going to like- A very Porky's Christmas. Yes. I'm going to enter a very Porky's Christmas. If we can enter for uh, for, for my, my, my movie this week, my very favorite, the movie that in my house, my wife and I together always make sure we watch it every Christmas day without fail. It must be watched. Uh, one year, our nine-year-old, who was not nine at the time, was like, I don't think I want to watch it. We're like, you're not in this Six family anymore. Dinner. Also by Bob Clark. Yes. He went from serial killers at Christmas to putting your eye out yeah. um, yes. with a uh, with a Red Rider BB gun. And in a movie where he reminded us to always drink our Ovaltine, a movie where the uh, the main character's father uh, wove a tapestry of obscenity <laughs> that hangs over Lake Michigan to this day <laughs> and won a major award, um, A Christmas Story. That is a perfectly reasonable choice from Thank Master you. Ashley. What have you done with Ashley? <laughs> well, <laughs> might I have the goatee on or not? Um, no, I love A Christmas Story. It yes. is- How can you not? There's there's nothing, of, it's it's essentially a little succession of, of vignettes of this 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 of Ralphie's uh you know the Christmas experience like and Peter what he really Billingsley. wants Peter Billingsley, Peter Billingsley who's great um and it's all based on sort of loosely non-fiction recollections from well, Gene Shepard it's it's from it's from Gene Shepard's book uh um oh my God it just left my mind Gone with the Wind no it, it, do go on but it uh, oh sure because I I listened to Gene Shepard on the radio on WOR radio in New York. All the time when I was a kid, way before anyone had ever heard of Christmas Story, um, and uh, the name of the book is "In God We Trust, All Others Pay, pay Cash." That's that's right. And it it was a series of vignettes that this screenplay put together into a cohesive story, more or less. Yes. And the thing that is, I mean, again, the, the premise of this movie is that Ralphie desperately wants, you know, a genuine red writer. BB gun, uh, and he does everything imaginable to convince his mother that he should have one. All the while navigating, um, you know, the difficult world of of being a child in the in the nineteen fifties, um, dealing with bullies to his little brother who wears a snowsuit that is far too large for him, um, a teacher who wants him to write a theme, um, and a mother who simply does not understand, much like Will Smith's parents. Um, but I, honestly, I think the the person who steals the show in this movie is the Night Stalker himself, <laughs> Darren McGavin, who plays the I father. Agree. The old I man. agree. The old man. Bumpuses. Like his, it just there is nothing about Darren McGavin that is not just watchable on on every level, right down to the movie it has this the perfect ending where after the Bumpuses dogs. Mm. Like they they savage break in, the they, they savage the turkey. Oh God, what are they? They recover in such a wonderful way. They they go to the only restaurant that's that's open on Christmas, mm -hmm. a Chinese restaurant where they have Chinese that was turkey. My experience, yeah. 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 And uh, look, it's just a lovely movie. It is so funny. It is so it eminently watchable. Them, uh, doesn't it end with them uh, on the sofa? Watching mm -hmm. the snowfall. Yes, it's, it's very just sweet. beautiful. I, I totally relate to that movie in so many ways because you know, uh, uh, obviously, not celebrating Christmas. What we would do every Christmas Eve, we would go see a Christmas movie, and I mm -hmm. can tell you, you know, it was a '78. It was Superman '79. It was a Black Hole. I mean, I right. could go on and on. But um, and then, of course, there was you know, it was back back in the '80s, '70s, and '80s. 
most things weren't open on Christmas Eve. It's not like now where you pretty much. No. So it was always Chinese food. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we would have. And we'd go to, you know, have Chinese food. And uh, but for me, that film, you know, I'd always seen Darren McGavin as as, as Carl Kolchak. Mm-hmm. So to see him in a different kind of role, you know, playing this character, I, I, I just I find it a delightful, delightful film. Before uh, before my dad died, uh, we would watch this film and laugh hysterically at it. And one of the things that I love about this film is the relationship between the dad and uh, Ralphie. And the lamp. And the, and the little, and the, lamp. the little, you know, uh, the kid, because throughout all these trials and tribulations that he goes through to try and hint to his mom that this is what he wants, after all that fails and after everything he goes through trying to tell Santa what he wants, the dad knew all along. Yeah, yeah he did. And that just, that just gets me. Knew, it's yeah. so wonderful <laughs> and it's so beautiful that it gets me every time again here i go but well, the way i he love plays it. that scene and the, and the mother's like doesn't know what he has she has no up idea he's yeah. wrapped it himself yeah, yeah, and yeah. hidden it it's, it's just beautiful. it's this little secret between them that is so beautiful and it's just so perfectly hidden by the story but like in a really great way yeah. so that you know when that when that happens it's just you know they paint um the father as as you know kind of a a cartoon, right. because you know that's the perspective that Ralphie has on everything. Right. But right. but the moment, I mean, it's this moment of of bonding and connection, and suddenly you go, oh, it changes the whole movie yep. for me, um, and it just, and of course, it has <laughs> a hilarious consequence yeah. because you know all the the dark predictions of Ralphie's future <laughs> come true. Yeah, absolutely right. Oh yeah. my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> But still, just that you're so right. It just it gets me every time. What's so interesting about A Christmas Story, like many of these other uh, Christmas movies we talked about, it was not successful on its theatrical release. It's only later that it becomes a perennial. And if you look at at, at so many of the films we're talking about or will talk about, these were not movies that were uh, huge hits when they came out. Right. Yeah, well, quite the opposite. Say, like, you know, I absolutely adore this movie also. It's one that I never miss, right. and I've watched it every Christmas mm-hmm. forever. I had it on Laserdisc. I, I did actually see this movie in 1983 in its mm. original theatrical release, mm. and I loved it then, and I didn't understand why it wasn't a bigger hit and why right. nobody seemed to have heard about it. Thankfully, it's found a huge audience now with, what is it, TBS? That yeah, they do a marathon. They just over, hours and over and over and over again. Yeah. I always turn that on. Even though I'd already watched it on Blu-ray, I always turn on TBS and have it running in the background. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I, one of my favorite memories of this movie was showing it to my grandparents mm. um, before they died, obviously, in, in the 90s. And my grandfather grew up in that area at that time. Mm. And I, you said 50s. I'm pretty sure that's 40s. Yeah. I want to yeah, say, it's, it I think of it as 1940, like pre-World like, War II. Yeah, it's like 1940. Like because the last because Christmas they had, before World War II. Because they had Wizard of Oz characters what, oh, running yeah, around. And they were listening to the radio. Yeah, yeah you're so right. So that's probably 39 or 40, Christmas of 39 or 40 is my guess. Yeah. And, well, the, and that's another one of the bonding things between me and my dad because that's when he was a little kid, mm. you yep. know? And... Um, the the school that he went to looked exactly yeah. like my grade school. Exactly. 
I mean, the the scene with them outside, uh, you know, with the kid. A double dog yeah, area. Yeah, with the kid mm-hmm. sticking his tongue to the pole. Yeah. It was exactly, <laughs> it was exactly as I remembered going to school. Yeah. So it's just this weird thing that my dad and I shared the same experiences Ugh. through this movie. Yeah. My wow. grandfather was just tickled watching all the cars yeah. and the appliances and the products. I mean, it was like he had never seen it. Before right. this point, before I showed it to him on Laserdisc one year, and he he just absolutely loved it. it. I have a leg lamp in my room year round. Yeah, me too. <laughs> in my, in my, this my, is uh, main source of light in my TV room is I, the leg lamp. There is actually a Hallmark ornament mm-hmm. that you can get. That's the major award. That's oh. the uh, that's the leg lamp, which is awesome. This is also one of the very few movies where I have a very strong memory of the trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I and what I remember from it is the scene where Ralphie goes to the see the Christmas Santa to ask him for the genuine Red Ryder right. um, uh, BB gun, and he gets kind of pushed down the slide. And there was something in the trailer that was just so sort of surreal and odd and scary mm-hmm. about it that, like, you know, when the movie came out, when it was first sort of like, you know go see this wow that is so weird mm-hmm. I have to see that and of course that's a great moment in the film it's just yeah. and it kind of it just so captures it's his very surreal because it's entirely from the child's point of view yes exactly the reason I remember the trailer so well is when I bought my first Laserdisc player in addition to the three uh, Laserdisc they gave me they also gave me a, a trailer sampler nice. on Laserdisc and I didn't realize it was all MGM United Artists titles right. so uh, it was one of the many titles on there I used to watch that just to watch the trailer this is pre-YouTube and everything yeah. and I would just watch the movie trailers nice. on that Laserdisc and it was great um, but anyway what a wonderful well, our, movie our and friend, what a perfect still, choice like, our friend Rob Burnett has old long time friends with um Billingsley, Peter, Peter Billingsley, Billingsley. Yeah. and one time he brought him over to my apartment for some function I had there, and I was so thrilled that Ralphie is in my apartment. <laughs> I'm so excited. And of course, Peter Billingsley is best friends with uh, John Favreau. John Favreau is the director of a film that I was considering for Thursday, um, Elf. Um, mm-hmm. Now. I'm not going to go with Elf. My initial inclination was I would really love to work on The Mandalorian and maybe to suck up to John Favreau by picking <laughs> Elf, which is a movie I actually do truly love. Oh, Elf is I love hilarious. it, but yeah. uh, I think it's hysterical. And 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 Will Ferrell is great, and everyone it's it's a, it's a really great. It's become Ooh, fruit a, spray, a, a Christmas. <laughs> um, it's become a Christmas perennial for me. Yeah, I, we absolutely. watch Elf every year and 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 enjoy it immensely. It's a very smart. Uh, Bob Newhart's in it, who's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not not my pick. Um, as is my want, I, I have several things I was considering. I do not have a Woody Allen movie, although I could say that. Um, <laughs> never mind. Radio uh, days. No. Well, I was going to say I could go with Radio Days, which does. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, 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 you know, there's a Lubitsch film I love, The Shop oh, Around the Shop Corner. Around the um, Jimmy Stewart. And it, 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 Margaret it, it, Sullivan. It's, they're fantastic in the film. Great bunch of Eastern European a- character actors. Uh, it takes place in this little store in, 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 in Europe where um, Jimmy Stewart just can't stand uh, the woman he works with and she can't stand him. But meanwhile, they're pen pals with mysterious strangers who turn out to be, uh, and they, as they fall more and more in love through their correspondence, they end up meeting and finding out that it's their opposite number at the store that they can't see. It's a charming, charming, funny, delightful confection that uh, that's it, not your selection. is one of my favorites. Well, it's a great film, and it was remade in the 80s with Tom Hanks. Yeah, as You Got uh, Mail, no yeah, reference you got film. Mail. And I much prefer Shop Around the Corner yeah. over You Got Mail. Um, 
uh, but um, but anyway, ne- neither of these are my choices. I would be remiss, you know, the film that I I watch every Christmas along with Rudolph and Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Charlie Brown Christmas, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Uh, not a Christmas goes by where I, I don't watch this film. Uh, it, it 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 is a film, a modern classic. Um, it is is to me one of the great Christmas movies of all time. And of course, that's Die Hard. And um, <laughs> this is a film set around the holidays. And you know, one of the things I love about Die Hard is it's that subgenre of West Coast Christmas films. I always remember watching Annie Hall when Woody Allen comes out to um, uh, L.A. around the Christmas time. He's driving down Doheny. And it's like. You know, because in New York, we're digging out from the snow and the the Christmas windows. And here in L.A., you know, oh. it's sunny and beautiful and, and this, it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. Die Hard had that same kind of feeling. It put on the airs of Christmas, but it didn't really feel authentically Christmas. Well, let me tell you something, by the way, just quickly about L.A., about Christmas in Los Angeles. So the first year that, that I lived here back in um, 2000, I went home. For Christmas, because you go home for Christmas, because the movie says you have to. <laughs> um, and it was, you know, it was, we knew that snow was coming, a really big snow. And my wife and I, having lost all respect for weather, having lived in Los Angeles, decided we were going to go to a movie. I don't remember what we saw, but I do know that it started snowing while we were at the movie. Snowing so badly, there was no way we were going to get home, which I thought was kind of cool because we were staying with my parents in that <laughs> So we got a hotel room. And we're, you know, we're getting all kind of, you know, uh, settled into the hotel room. The TV's on and like the weather comes on. And the weatherman is talking about how dire conditions are outside, how cold it is, how much snow is on the ground. Then he goes, and it's 75 degrees and sunny in Los Angeles. (laughs) And I looked at my wife and I said, we are never leaving L.A. for Christmas again unless we go to Hawaii or Vegas. There's another reason. I mean, I never travel over Christmas. Because L.A. is incredibly livable over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Everyone oh, else yeah. goes away. There's no traffic. It's empty. There's no wait at any restaurants. It is the ideal time <laughs> to be in Los Angeles uh, during the holidays. Because the weather is very mild. Very few people started. are actually from here. They, so everyone just travels around. And it leaves you know, Los Angeles to the few of us who remain. And it's a wonderful thing. And uh, But, you know, look, Die Hard is one of the great action movies written by uh, Steve D'Souza and Jeb Stewart, uh, produced by Joel Silver and Lawrence Gordon. Um, uh, Bruce Willis, uh, it, it invented a genre uh, of the... Um, uh, you know, the smart the, the uh, action thriller, smart uh, acerbic. Uh, we uh, call it smackshin. Uh, <laughs> thriller, you know, uh, the 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 it's blank in a building. You know, under right. siege was blank. You know, uh, way, I know uh, a Fox uh, executive who was pitched. It's Die Hard in, in a, a building. building. Yes, yeah. that's a, fam- a famous story. But um, the um, you know whether it's under siege where it was Steven Seagal on a. On a, on a on a a battleship and 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 there's so many of the skyscraper ended up bringing it all back to it's Dwayne Johnson in a building, um, <laughs> uh, but nothing comes close to the original Die Hard, uh, directing uh, with a finesse by John McTiernan. Uh, it it's funny and thrilling and Alan Rickman is one of the great villains of uh, of of um, in movie history. Um, and just everything about this and movie is terrific. And who knows what the craft service budget went into on this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And Hart Botchner is one of the most uh, oh, loathsome we'll uh, characters this side of William Atherton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's just, it's such a great movie. And of course, it's set against the backdrop of uh, the holidays and, and Christmas. And, and um, Century City. And Century City, because Steve's wearing the Nakatomi Plaza shirt right, right now. And, uh, you know, there's not a day that goes by where I don't drive by the Fox Tower and think, ah, it's 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 Nakatomi Plaza. Do you know anybody who actually thinks of it as anything other than Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza? I do not. I wouldn't yeah. want to hang out with them. Yeah, screw that. I do. I do. I do not. And and I've told the story before on the podcast, but I'll tell it again. Um, when they first opened that building, uh, Ronald Reagan had an office in the in the uh, in the building, and when the Secret Service was um, doing their preliminary surveillance, they found all these spent uh, uh, shells and 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 gun casings, uh, bullet casings on, on, and they couldn't figure out what this was, <laughs> and they realized it was stuff that was left over from when Die Hard had filmed there, because uh, the building hit, wasn't complete at the time, and uh, so it, it has a storied history. Um, and uh, it's just uh, it's just great, and 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 you know it has become a Christmas holiday classic again. You know I can't quite see this with um, Bing Crosby, or I couldn't see it with Frank Sinatra, <laughs> uh, uh, but Bruce Willis, uh, who wasn't even on the movie poster because they had so little faith <laughs> yeah. in um, in him as a movie star and right. his ability to carry a movie, but everyone else had turned put it a down. Building and an explosion on the a poster. building explosion. It'll blow you through the back wall of theater, and it did. <laughs> It Literally. did, and the funny thing is, this movie came out in the summer. It did not, right. you know, it didn't come out uh, Christmas. Like at all. most of the uh, Christmas movies that we've seen, that that is, that is absolutely true. Yeah, so my was... pick for Thursday is Die Hard. Well, let me let me give a play a little devil's advocate here, a little bad Santa's uh, advocate. <laughs> uh, I, I love Steve. the movie. I absolutely love Die Hard. It's one of my favorites. It's certainly one of my favorite action movies. I, I it was a Great experience to see in the theater in 1988 because you went in with very low expectations. Or no looked, expectations. Yeah, it, it was the goofy. only good movie of 1988. Yeah, yeah, it had a tight Die Hard that's like kind of a corny title, and Bruce mm-hmm. Willis wasn't really a you know movie. You know, had no expectations going into it. Absolutely love it. I watch it at least once a year. I don't consider it a Christmas movie. I think it ha- it pays lip service to Christmas. It has trappings of Christmas, but it's not about. Christmas. It's the time for miracles, Steve. <laughs> you know what? That's lip service. That's dialogue. That's just, that to so, me is Christmas. Uh, <laughs> no one actually. Everyone pays allow lip me to make a case Christmas. for what makes it a Christmas film. Basically, it's this. What is that story really about? Well, I mean, there's, and we can talk about the subplots too. But let's talk about um, John McClane first. There's one thing that John McClane wants in this movie. He, he wants, wants to reunite to get his, to family. his family yeah. at Christmas time. And instead of having, you know, to go on planes and trains and automobiles and, you know, or like he has to find the right train and come up. I don't think it's about Christmas, though. He wants to reunite with his family. It's not because it's Christmas time. Well, but that's what allows him to come west. Right. Christmas off for Christmas. Christmas is the context. It only takes place at Christmas because of a story reason. So they could justify but, oh, well, why well, the why building Christmas well, only takes place right. off for <laughs> no, no, on Christmas right, right. for a story but, reason but, too. Well, but they wanted okay. it was for a practical reason for the story. It was to explain why there was nobody else in this giant skyscraper right. when the heist went down. Even though a few floors were under construction, there's nobody else in there working. I mean, if, sure, it's it's convenient, but. But the, that's not. But it doesn't have. But the story doesn't wrong, have to though. be about that. I'm because not, it wasn't about Christmas. Anyway, there was yeah. nobody else in that building because it was still under construction. construction. 
It's now, not other, because you saw all the people that were listed on the in the panel when yeah. he goes to check M- in. Most of them are at the party. Um, that's yeah. uh, set deck, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, no, they, the no, they said they, they, that's they, a part he, of the he movie. He says the dialogue, the few, those few floors, floors like thirty-two through thirty-five. It was right. those top floors that were but under you know, construction. Even, the rest yeah, of it even, was occupied. Even if that were true, it is still a movie that, like, that y- you can you can take almost you know any sort of Christmas movie in that genre of kind of reuniting the reuniting the family and what that means and why that's important. And he, not only that, he's a father who has to learn a lesson, right? He is learning to value um, his, his wife and through that, learning to value his place in the family and understanding that. Um, Al Powell, uh, you know, his, uh, his partner in crime that he only speaks to um, like over the radio, uh, you know, he is also on this redemption arc, right? He is in desperate need of a Christmas miracle um, because something horrible has happened to him. Mm-hmm. And what happens in Die Hard is he is given an opportunity to become a cop again, right? He's given this gift. And yes, it's all framed as this big, incredibly great, terrific action movie. But the reason why I think it has as much hot as it's got mm-hmm. is because you know, it, the Christmas context, I think it just, it, you know, sort of putting myself in the head of like the sort of the Jeb Stewart of this Stephen D'Souza, it's once you contextualize it in that way, then suddenly you can make it just so human. Um, and I think that's the thing that's truly great about Die Hard and why, you know, it, even if it were nothing but it's just sort of superficially a Christmas movie, one of the reasons why it speaks to me at Christmas time is because all of those three, those themes and you know those those emotions resonate to me as as things that matter at Christmas. So, you know, it, it, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a debate that kind of rages back and forth. But, but Mr. Takagi doesn't believe in Christmas, and he pays the ultimate <laughs> price. Whereas, you know, Alan Rickman is sort of the ghost of Christmas future, oh, you know and then you have, you know, Al, which is ghost of Christmas present, and you know, and, and it, it is about a man who is reunited for the holidays with his family, and he, you know, he ultimately gives them the gift of freedom and family, and uh, I, I think it has, it's, and there's a giant teddy bear in the back of the limo, so I just With don't see. Hat. I can understand your point of view, Steve, I, I really do, and I I would agree with it, but I think, I think what you're rubbing against is that it is, in fact, a Los Angeles Christmas movie. It's a Los Angeles and Christmas. That's what it was his other that, title. That's what. Ta- <laughs> <laughs> that's what takes that feeling away. And I think that I think that as you know, I've been a thirty-three year Angelino. Um, it is, you know, it's that feeling of Christmas that is completely removed from how. Which is why Annie Hall here. is not a Christmas story, but um, Die Hard is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone would argue that Annie Hall is a Christmas movie. Well, you know, he comes back on Christmas oh. to try and reunite with Diane Keaton's Annie Hall, and no, Mark, Mark, no, I don't think. Well, it look, is. I, I am, you know, just to be clear, I am not saying that there's anything wrong with Die Hard. It's a <laughs> no, we would never think that. I just don't. I just think oh, the Christmas stuff is predominantly lip service, and the emotional stories would work under any context because it's a tight 
well-written script. Now I have a machine gun, ho, ho, ho. Exactly. And, he's, and he has a Santa hat. Doesn't work without Christmas. Right? That's a joke. You it asked could have for been miracles, anything. It could have been anything. It's just a joke. It's Wait, like it's a the, good joke. That's like Ode the, the Christmas music that plays. And Ode to you Joy. Put, he's right. Yeah, it's like, it's more, it becomes Christmas. Well, it's associated with the season now. Exactly. It's been co-opted by the season. Right? All those things, like, Look, we can't watch the movie and separate out like the visual elements in the movie and like in the context of the film. All those things operate together, and you could probably create um, another context for it that makes it work. But here's the thing: like, here's the counterargument, other than the fact that this is actually not a good movie, is Die Harder is also set at Christmas time. Ah, good and point. Yet, I would never categorize that as a Christmas movie, um, simply because it doesn't it. It doesn't capitalize on anything that I think you know we associate, you know, with the difficulty of um, of Christmas. You know, with it's just it's just sort of like the same damn thing over again. And that's a movie that really could have been any holiday, um, but it's because it, it there's nothing about it that changes. It, right. Yeah. Because would Die Hard work as well on Easter or Arbor Day? I don't think it, it would. Doesn't work I as think well on Christmas July. is part work, of its DNA. It could work. Any day, it doesn't matter. No, nah, it's not as good a movie. <laughs> no. It's not. It's not as good a movie without the Christmas milieu. All right. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. Well, you can take the untouchables. And, uh... <laughs> Look, I love it, and I'm not. I'm not sad. I wouldn't say like I wouldn't. <laughs> no, don't veto watch this. Fight to the death. Uh, I think it's a fantastic movie. Like a I also time. watch it around Christmas time every year <laughs> See? because of the because of the surface trappings of it. But I. I <laughs> I don't consider it a Christmas movie in the way a Christmas story is a Christmas movie. Well, or of Miracle course not. Or Miracle on 34th Street or any of these other films that we'll discuss for Friday, I think, are more a Christmas movie. Well, but... as a member of uh, somebody who's not a member of your tribe, I do consider it a Christmas <laughs> movie. <laughs> because Christmas means something very different to me. It means presents and, 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 and great food and eggnog and, 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 and it does, you know, it's less about the Jesus thing. So... <laughs> Anyway, you're, you're digging a hole there, Mark. It's about John <laughs> McClane. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, so Friday, 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 Friday a problem. Die hard, die hard, <laughs> die harder. <laughs> now, look, I'll give it to you once, but not twice. In the same <laughs> okay. If Christmas Story can be played over and over and over and over again, we can have two honestly, nights of Die Hard. Honestly, yeah. I, I, I think there's really only one film that it could be. Lethal Weapon. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> Mickey's Christmas Carol. No, I, I think I think it got to be It's a Wonderful Life. I, I, I mean, it's it's the ultimate Christmas movie, and, and deservedly so. I, I he could have killed hear, himself I on any holiday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I consider it a New Year's movie, actually. <laughs> oh more my than God! Well, they do sing but, "Old Lang Syne." Let me let me uh, let me mention a a different one. Okay. Um, Don't say Scrooge with Bill Murray. I hate that movie. No, oh, I was going to say, <laughs> but I will say Scrooge with Albert Finney. Mm. Ah. Um, I know everyone likes the black and white one, you know, and everyone brings that one. I think it's I Al- prefer Alistair Mr. Magoo's in. Christmas Carol. Actually. Uh, I, I like know? Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. But again, television. Yeah, oh, good point. Yeah, you're right. Muppet Christmas Carol. And a cartoon. But to me, Albert Finney's performance in Scrooge from 1970, I think it was, is, and this is a movie that I saw in the theater when I was four years old. Mm. And it bowled me over. And, of course, Alec Guinness plays Jacob Marley. 
uh, brilliantly. And he's a force his role as yeah. Obi Wan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now we're just kidding. <laughs> you will force these chains in life the way I have. You know, it's, 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 it's just, the force be with you. <laughs> it's just amazing. I mean, the it, and it has all these great, uh, you know, English filmmaking uh, tropes in it that just makes it look gorgeous. It's filmed at Pinewood Studios as well, the same place that Star Wars was. And the the music is wonderful. The the settings are amazing. And it's the most real-looking uh, portrayal of this world that I've ever seen. And uh, it's... But Albert Finney's portrayal is letter-perfect throughout the movie. And his change is real. Mm. And the emotion is real. And it's just gorgeous. I, I love, love the Dickens' Christmas Carol story. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like sort of the classic... It's really important to, to, to have that story on Christmas. Uh, it, 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 it's a true Christmas story. It can only be told during Christmas. But also, there's a very important moral, I think, mm-hmm. to it. And, and to see uh, the change that he goes through, um, you know, and how it's brought about. You know, it's like, I, God, I'd love to see Jimmy McGill, like, you know, do Better Call Saul as a, a Christmas carol. <laughs> you know, where, you know, like Michael McKeon could be the ghost. Of, anyway, I show, um, I, I think, you know, it really is a question of which version of that is best. The Albert Finney is a terrific, terrific film. Um, Steve, what do, you, what do you think about Friday? Well, I was thinking about another movie that, uh, that I watch every year um, that's pretty much a, a straight-up comedy. I'm talking about a movie written by John Hughes. Uh, directed by Jeremiah Chechik, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, mm-hmm. which uh, is Every the time. only sequel, vacation sequel, I think, worth watching. Um, if you're going to have to watch if a you're vacation gonna have to. sequel. It's got... I like the original Vacation a lot. I love the oh, original, I love yeah, the yeah. original yeah. Vacation. And, and yeah. I love the Christmas Vacation. <laughs> it's, it's like the Die Hard franchise. It's only... Yeah. There's like the one original, which is great, and then it's all downhill from Christmas there. Vacation is is a lot of fun. It's... it's, uh, it's Got tons of quotable dialogue. It's got it's Every goofy. Every time I turn on the microwave, corny. I piss myself and forget my name. <laughs> <laughs> He's putting up, you know, this. It's funny because like the light display that he puts up on his house is tame compared to what people do today, especially well in Los Angeles. Holy crap! Yeah, it's oh, insane. It's insane. You could buy a house in any other state for what people spend on Christmas decorations oh. here. Yeah, yeah. You watch some of these Christmas shows where people spend a hundred thousand dollars on their Christmas display that's insane to me and we're worried about entitlements <laughs> um okay but you know it's it's got a great cat you know chevy chase and and uh, the, you know the rest of the, the cat you know it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun that place you're in right now i can't go there really but i respect you being there <laughs> yeah what about you ashley do you have a film that you would put up for friday for i do i would uh would put up a a movie about Halloween yes. turning into Christmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas, okay. um, which I absolutely 100% um, love. It's just, it is so endlessly creative and visually arresting and so much fun. Um, and, you know, every year, you know, I, I go to Disneyland a lot, but I always look forward to um, this time of year at Disneyland because, you know, they remake the Haunted Mansion. Um, so that it's a nightmare before Christmas. It's just I I love that movie, um, and uh, and my nine year old loves that movie, um, and so it's just you know those things that you can sort of sit down and kind of watch as a family. 
and that doesn't feel like kind of eating your vegetables. Like it just it's so is, fresh. Yes, I mean you've never seen a movie like it, and uh, it's got a terrific score. The music is yeah. wonderful. Uh, the cast is great. Well, the fresh isn't a word I would use for it. It seems very much within the family of those Rankin Bass uh, specials. Yeah, very much so. Actually, yeah, it yeah. it feels like. A later you know rendition well, of one. I, I, sort of I mean, the, the storyline. Yeah. Like, you never oh, seen sure. anything yeah, like mirror, that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, on, and yeah, it does look like a really expensive version because well, it's yeah, stop motion. And it's another yeah. film like Elf that's sort of become a modern holiday classic. Right. Yeah. Whereas, you know, all those films we grew up on, we thought those were, you know, they'll never be, you know, these holiday classics. And those are two films I think you see over and over again, Absolutely. sort of people watching. Um, before we, we take this to a vote, Sarah and Vulcan, <laughs> uh, I have a, a question. What do you want for Christmas, Steve? What do I want? Not, not for me. I'm just like, what do you what do you want uh, this Christmas uh, present you covet the most? I don't. You know what? I don't need anything. I I, I don't know. I I, I I you know, for me personally, I, I I don't need anything. I've reached the I've reached that age where you're getting rid of stuff instead yeah, of yeah. Like it. I have all the stuff that I need. And there's things that I maybe want, but it just seems selfish <laughs> to mm. ask for stuff. So the true you know, spirit really of Christmas. Know. I, you know, like I have more fun going to my nephew's house and your nieces and nephews and bringing them, and bringing them presents and seeing yeah. the looks it's on better their faces. to give than receive. You know, when I was a kid, I, I, that didn't, that made no sense to me. <laughs> As an adult, <laughs> I, I understand the wisdom of it. What about you, Darren? I, what would you like for Christmas? I think I would go along with that. Look, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like getting things for Christmas anymore mm. because it, it feels, it feels, um, you know, I I have the urge to give, and I I just want to be I just want to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be nice, and and because I you know I hope all my friends are doing well and they're happy and healthy, and uh, I hope I am as well. So I th- I think it's uh, it more becomes uh, the ability to you know, see my family and my friends and things like that. And that is what I cherish in Christmas now. And remembering when it was simpler back when yeah. we were kids. I enjoy the season itself. I enjoy decorating the house and watching my neighbors, looking at my neighbors' decorations. I love eating the food, drinking eggnog, and listening to the music. I always mm-hmm. look for, like, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, like, I don't turn on the Christmas decorations or the Christmas music until after I finish Thanksgiving dinner. Right. So once Thanksgiving dinner is over, the lights come on, the Christmas music can come on, and it plays through New Year's Day, right. and then it all comes down. That's when I watch Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just love that season. I love the feelings. I love the yeah. the nostalgia of it. I love thinking about the Christmas past and past, past yeah. my family and grandparents, you know, family that's no longer with us, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then getting together with the, the family that is still around and... You know, just enjoying the season rather than uh, you know a, a gift. What about you, Ashley? You got a more interesting answer? <laughs> nope. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you are. So I'll say, Christmas changes when you become a father. It sure mm-hmm. does. It better. Yes. No <laughs> kidding. Um, and I'll sort of what I want for Christmas. I'll preface with a with a very short story. When Caden was three years old, um, he was very into Thomas the Tank Engine. Mm. And his mother and I went hog effing wild, getting him trains, getting him play sets, getting him tracks. Like, it was going to be the most, and it was, the most amazing Thomas the Tank Engine Christmas ever in the history of Christmases featuring Thomas the Tank Engine and three-year-olds. So Christmas morning arrives. 
and the tree is just there's all kinds of shit and um Caden goes to the uh, to the first present it was like a it was like a big sort of track play set that was wrapped and understand he is surrounded by boxes that are wrapped and he starts to you get he, he gets a call you want to have to go back to you? yeah no no it so he gets he just he he's, he starts taking the paper off of this thing and he gets the paper halfway down just on one set and he looks at us and he says this is so wonderful <laughs> and he wraps his arms around the box which is not completely unwrapped oh. and he hugs it and he was done and the way that i felt in that moment when that little boy just said this half wrapped gift mm -hmm. is by itself so wonderful i would like to get that again yeah. mm. oh that's lovely well you've heard our picks for friday well, i'm surprised nobody's mentioned the movie that features the tragic story of a young girl on christmas eve gremlins father does not come home and oh. then a smell starts oh coming out God. of the chimney yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a truly tragic story see there's a movie with the trappings of christmas right <laughs> see yeah, yeah exactly gremlins i would argue is not a christmas movie but takes place against the the back the horrific backdrop of christmas, <laughs> Christmas. Uh -huh. <laughs> with the great hoyt axton and uh zach galligan uh, gremlins is a delightful movie it is um zach galliganakis uh, <laughs> well, I, I think I think everyone has their own favorite Christmas movies, and uh, there are probably a bunch we haven't mentioned. That uh, um, so once again, maybe we should turn to the audience for Friday and ask them to tell us what they want to celebrate Christmas with on Friday. And when we come back in the new year, we can talk about uh, that as well as uh, our favorite New Year's movies. All right, <laughs> sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, well, it. you know, I mean. Uh, you know, or there's when, when Harry Met Sally, which is ushers in the new year, you know, That's which true. is uh, after Christmas comes New Year. That's something I would consider for Friday. Uh, a great, great New Year's movie. It's certainly a lot more hopeful than uh, Poseidon Adventure. <laughs> wow. Um, and uh, but but anyway, we'll leave that uh, to you to decide. And we're anxious to invite your comments and your thoughts uh, during this holiday season. Uh, what you would watch on Friday as we celebrate uh, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas week here on the 430 movie and of course you can let us know what you think on Twitter and Instagram you at 430 movie podcast an idiot you think Melching is for disagreeing about Die Hard oh you're you're, <laughs> you're gonna get you'll those. find out and, it was a worthy um, conversation don't forget to check out our new podcast, Inglorious Trexperts, The Ultimate Look Inside Star Trek, with some of your favorite 430 movie hosts and special guests from across the sci-fi universe. You can uh, uh, find that at Inglorious Trexperts or uh, follow us on at Inglorious Trek on Twitter or Inglorious Trexperts on Instagram. If you like what you heard today, please rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts. It wouldn't be very much in the Christmas spirit to give us any less than that. <laughs> oh, um, wow. So on uh, behalf... And if, if you're looking for last-minute Christmas gifts or holiday gifts. Oh, good point. Go to the 430 movie pod, uh, 430movie.com and get some 430 movie swag. There's some great 430 movie swag to give somebody that you love the ultimate Christmas present uh, with all kinds of fantastic 430 movie logo wear. Be the first on your block. Courtesy of our concept <laughs> designer, uh, Darren Dr. 
And as uh, we end our year, I want to thank all of you for a wonderful debut year for on the 430 movie. We've had a, a great time talking about the movies we love with people we kind of like. And um, <laughs> Thanks for joining us, and tell your friends. Please, tell your friends. Um, uh, we've been lucky to, to see our audience uh, grow and grow, and we'd like to continue that and um, you know, sort of a proselytize for these movies that we love. Um, and... Um, uh, we want to especially thank, uh, at the end of the year here, uh, all our friends here at uh, Electric Entertainment, Dean Devlin, and uh, his entire team who've been so wonderful and really made this our home away from home, and especially um, Bill Ritter, our engineer, who's done an amazing job uh, making us sound good every week uh, here on the 430 Movie. And uh, thank you and happy holidays. And to our audience, thank you and uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. And we'll see you next year for all new theme weeks here on the 430 Movie. This episode brought to you by Dunder Mifflin, limitless paper in a paperless world.